You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Kubrick Zenga alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And it is Tuesday, June 6, 836 Central Time. We are back in the saddle, back from the honeymoon. Drew, you've been on the camp circuit, you're working hard, things are starting to pick up. Busy, busy day of college football recruiting. If you are not following along yesterday five-star sammy brown from the state of georgia georgia ohio state oklahoma tennessee clemson all in the mix he's going to play for Dabo sweeney in the clemson tigers we'll talk about that one and on the west coast in the pac-12 or the big 10 whatever you want to call it lincoln riley and the usc trojans are getting hot now up to number 20 in the country after a couple of commitments so we'll talk about the bulldogs lincoln riley in usc a couple other Notable commitments over the last few days. And then we'll talk about Drew's short little trip uh, to the camp yesterday at Florida Atlantic. And then we'll get you out of here. But, Drew, it's good to be back. I know we had a little miniature emergency episode yesterday, my friend. But as always, the Oyster Boys back together doing what we love to do. Drew, I know you got a lot going on this morning, babe, but I am fired up to talk a little college football recruiting with you, dude. How you doing? I'm doing good. How was uh, how was the honeymoon? Take us through it. Well, should we start with the wedding or should we just go to the honeymoon? Well, I'll give you the abbrevi- abbreviated version. Wedding was awesome. Everything you could think of. Went down to St. Lucia for the honeymoon. Didn't see any Oyster Boys fans down there. Didn't get bothered at all. No um, no free beers from anyone? No, no drinks? No, no, no. We had the all-inclusive. I don't know. Somebody might have sent one over. Uh, but it was good, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. The weather was great. Just kind of laid on a beach. Read a book, hadn't done that in a while. Had Wait, a so you're so you're one of the people that actually reads the book they bring on vacation because Yeah, my I, so here's how it went. My wife said, listen, she went to Notre Dame. She is an intellect, and she said, Our children, when we have children, they're gonna read. But in order for that to happen, their father is gonna have to set the right example. Now, I don't know if I've read a book since Dr. Seuss back in kindergarten. It's been a, been a long time. So I found one that looked interesting. It was called uh, Only the Dead by Jack Carr, who did the uh, Terminal List series. It was a page turner, you know, a political thriller. And I w- I'm proud to say that I finished it all. Had a couple pina coladas, had to take a couple breaks every now and then to kind of, you know, retain my memory. But outside of that, honestly, I, I enjoyed it. And now it's one of those things when I go to bed at night, instead of looking at my phone, I'm going to try to pick up a book maybe read 20, 30 pages. Hopefully that turns into a little bit of a healthy habit. I try to do that. I, I got a Kindle, I think, for Christmas, got halfway through a book, and then life happened. I have not finished that book. So I'm glad you have this mindset. Let's keep it going. Maybe we should start a book club. 
We should. I'm a big halfway through a book guy and then like to go to a bar and then somebody brings up a book and said, yeah, I read a little bit of that. <laughs> were, oh, when did you start reading it? About yeah, a year and a half ago. That right, was well, me, and, me and McConaughey's book. I, I still haven't finished it. I'm like halfway through it. Oh, that's a good book. I want to read that. All right. We'll get into the recruiting here in a second, but I got to tell everyone there was some great photos on on social media i saw of you from this two weeks of, of the wedding and the and the honeymoon uh but the white was that a white suit or is that a seersucker suit that we had on the wedding white linen white linen okay white linen yeah so that's actually suit that i got married in it was the same not the same suit itself but the suit the white linen suit my brother my father and my two grandfathers both got married in white linen suits. That's so awesome. it didn't, it didn't really seem like much of a choice, but when you're doing a spring wedding and I'll tell you this, I mean, we prayed very hard for the weather down here in South Louisiana and I would have to go back and look. I, if I had to bet that was probably the lowest temperature on that day over the last 15 years, 80 degrees. I mean, you can say we got lucky, but you know, as the folks out there like to call it, it was a blessed day, you know, so it was good. But it's enough about the wedding. It's been a, uh, what, two-week hiatus since I've been out. You, Will Fong, Larry Angulo, Greg Biggins, right? handful of other guests. Y'all been Char holding it down. Charlie Partridge. Charlie Partridge. Shout out Coach Partridge on there as well. Coming on the show. That's big time. Appreciate you and, and producer Lance holding it down. But let's let's talk a little bit of football, Drew, and let's, let's go out West to the big 10 footprint, as we're going to call it. <laughs> Lincoln Riley and USC now up to number 20 in the 24 seven sports composite team rankings, big weekend. And it kind of got started in, you know, my first day back, it's a Monday. I'm expecting a little bit of a quiet day. Got an email from you. And then all of a sudden commitments start flying, right? And Cameron Fountain, number six edge in the country, from the state of Georgia, he pops to USC coming off an official visit weekend. They also add an offensive lineman from the state of California as well. Drew, do you have any any idea on the pronunciation before I let this one rip? Oh, I've heard it a few times on the college football recruiting show. Manise Ete? Okay. I think, I think, I don't know. I know producer Lance is going to chime in here. But, man, dude, what a – 24 48 hour stretch for the trojans right i think last week they were in like the 40s of the recruiting ranking shoot all the way up to like you said right they're, they're 20 right now and uh moving to the big 10 and usc has been so active in the transfer portal the past few months right getting the roster correct and how they want it for the upcoming 2023 season it, it feels like the trojans are just hey we're going to focus on high school recruiting now. And man, what a weekend for them in, in you know, the preceding days, Monday, and, and we'll see what else happens. When we talk about premium positions, why it's important for every team in the country, but why it's really important for USC, just given where they are on the geographical map in terms of finding big bodies, right? They're really difficult to find. Cameron Fountain, you go to the state of Georgia. To me, th this seems like USC of old like Pete Carroll, when these guys recruited nationally and they were a threat, they were a threat to go into Georgia. They were a threat to go into Florida. They were a threat to go into Louisiana and get guys like Joe McKnight. And that's how they built up USC into the program, which it's been known for in the early 2000s. And Cameron Fountain, you get him out of Georgia. That's another guy that you're in a pair 
with a guy like Braylon Shelby, who you got out of Texas last year, Drew, who's a top 64 player for us, and a riser. And then you talk about the beef up front, what they're able to do with the lo local product, uh, and Manis Atit, uh, number 12 offensive tackle. I, I don't know if I got that right. Let's step in there. I have to interrupt. I have to interrupt. Uh, it's a Manasse Itete. Oh my gosh. Can we just edit out the last? Yeah. No, it happens. Look, it happens. Look, pronunciations are, are tough at times, and uh, it happens. I applaud both of you for your efforts, though. I mean, I was in the memory bank hard there. I haven't heard it in a few. I think I think Blair might have dropped it on a podcast, and I was like, I should, I should write that one down. But I meant Manasse, to ask. Manasse Itete. Manasse Itete. Itete. There you go. So let's talk about Manasse Itete, number 12 offensive tackle in the country. Thank you, producer Lance Glenn. He was I <laughs> Lance pops in, lets me say it wrong, and then corrects it. And he got a good laugh. <laughs> I got that one way wrong. But anyway, big get for USC. And Drew, this guy is one of the more intriguing players, I think, in the top 247 because originally from the Republic of Congo, right? He hadn't played football very long. He's a two-way player. He's got a background in basketball as well. When you watch him on tape, you can tell this is somebody that has not played the game very long. But I, I will say he has a high motor. And in terms of the athletic traits of what you're looking for, they're very evident. And then when you see him in a combine setting, I think with the verified testing, he backed that up. He had a really good workout in Los Angeles earlier this spring. It's a guy that's hovering anywhere from 6'5 to 6'6, 290 pound range, broad chest, long arms, light feet. I mean, he's he's got the goods, Drew. It's almost too early to tell what he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a learning curve, right? This is a guy that you stash on the roster. Give him some time. Um, and I think if you're USC, look, they're not afraid to go out and, and grab veterans, but and just this era, right, if you're going to go to the high school ranks, which USC is doing, I mean, they're going to continue to recruit the high school side. But give me guys that have traits and, and developmental upside. And I think he absolutely has that. You, you mentioned the measurables, 10-inch hands, 35-inch arms, 82-inch wing. Um, a lot to be desired on the tape, but you can see it kind of all coming together. I think. And, and and then that applies to the defensive line take as well. Fountain, you know, that was someone we fell in love with at the Under Armour stop in Atlanta, right? We did not know much about Fountain. We're like, who the hell is this guy? And uh, shoots up in our rankings. I think for USC to go into really the heart of SEC country, I mean, think about it, Atlanta, I mean, I don't know a lot, you know, <laughs> it's kind of ground zero for the SEC and, and, and then pull this guy out. I mean, it's it's a big get. And and then when you think long term, all right, USC now headed to the Big Ten, right? Uh, Got to get better at the point of attack. That's why they've been so active in the transfer portal, trying to find those mercenaries, guys already with college ready bodies. Uh, if they can get these two in and some of the other pieces they've taken, Get them in the strength program. Get them going. I mean, man, uh, those are some difference makers in the trenches. Cameron Fountain, 82-inch wing. That's six foot ten plus wingspan. Manasse Atete. And I am so sorry. Same deal, though. Uh, six foot ten wing. A lot of length. Height, weight, speed. We talk about that all the time. And Drew, it's, it's, it seems like, right? I mean, it seems like USC – they seem like a team that's very aware of the fact that they are going to play a more physical brand of football. 
here very soon in the Big Ten. Can we talk about the two other guys they got as well over the weekend? Sure. A pair of defensive backs, Dakota Fields, um, local top two, four, seven corner, a guy over six foot, really like him. Uh, and then Jarvis Boatwright from Clearwater, Florida. You brought up the physicality of the Big Ten. I think he's kind of a Big Ten back seven player. And, and Jarvis is a guy that missed a good chunk of his junior season with a knee injury. But the limited footage we have of him, the exposure I've had to him, he's a physical player, right? Guy that can play in the box. And I think it's important when you look at Jarvis, he is someone that can fill the alley, right? And you're going to need to do that in the Big Ten, right? You're going to play Wisconsin. You're going to play Penn State, these big, powerful running backs. You need guys in the secondary that can come up at the line of scrimmage, right? and wrangle one or one of these 215 pound guys to the ground. So I think Jarvis Boatwright is the lowest ranked commitment of, of the weekend for them. But I, I get the take, if that makes sense, right? When you think at the big picture, and I, I think that is so important right now for USC as they try to get it right on the defensive side of the ball. USC also added offensive lineman Hayden Treeter from Cherry Creek High School in Colorado. Big body, six foot six, hovering around 300 pounds. This is a guy... Uh, he looks like a Big Ten offensive tackle. Andrew, you and I have talked about the lack of premium talent uh, at the offensive tackle position. I think uh, Alabama um, off the board this weekend, uh, adding Joseph Ayanata. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Also, Penn State added offensive tackle to the to the mix. And those are teams we'll talk about. I guess I bring that up because I think a lot of these teams, these premier programs are in the same boat. Uh, in terms of the talent identification, the evaluation, especially this cycle at the offensive line position is going to be critical. I think these are more developmental takes. I think we're seeing that whether it's USC, whether it's Georgia, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Penn State, a lot of these teams are having to work a little bit further down the board than they're typically used to. So USC, Drew, go ahead. Well, I mean, you got to do that, right? I mean, if there's a a capable body in the transfer portal, everyone wants them, right? So, got to got to homegrown grow these guys in the farm. I think is kind of the ideal world. And sure, yeah, you can poach a guy here and there, but uh, at the end of the day, I would be trying to take two, three developmental offensive tackles every cycle. So I'm not investing my nil resources or, or whatever it be. And one of these premium guys, maybe you're pay, overpaying a little bit. So I, I think that makes sense. And uh, they they had some other, I, I think, guys that fall into that category visited over the weekend. Isaiah, Gar, or Isaiah Garcia, lineman out of Utah, he visited. Fox Crater, tackle, committed to Oregon from Washington. He was there. Uh, and really, it was just a big weekend for USC. I know we're going to move on from them, but Taylor Tatum, our number one running back, was in Los Angeles. Xavier Brown, one of my favorite corners. Uh, in the 2024 cycle, he was there. And then you want to talk about like point of attack players, SEC bodies, uh, guys in the South, Walter Matthews, tight end out of the Peach State. Um, don't really know what he is. I just think athletically, he's a big body that can move guy that's on the basketball court. And Lincoln Riley has sunk his teeth into that recruitment. Uh, I think he saw him play basketball back in, in, in January when head coaches were out on the road. So really big weekend for USC Coop. And I'll leave it at this. Like, I think we could tape a podcast a month from now and you just look at this visitors list and, and what they got upcoming for the Trojans. Man, they could be in the top 10 of the rankings if this all comes together. It's super encouraging because you you 
know what they're capable of in the transfer portal, right? So if they're able to do this year in and year out at the point of attack, be able to go to Georgia, be able to lock down some of the best premier talent along the offensive line in California. And Drew, we didn't talk about this guy very much, but Dakota Fields, I'm a huge fan, you know, listed at six foot two, 180 pounds out of, out of Jay Sarah, sub 11, sub 1100 meter guy as well. Fluid, reactionary athlete. I think his best football is ahead of him. That is a very savvy pickup. I like what USC has been doing in the secondary and you got some really young, talented guys. Dakota Fields is a player that I'm looking for. I, I could see him making another leap as a senior this season. So I thought that was a really good pickup as well. But USC, one of those teams to watch, as Andrew said, a loaded official visitors weekend. If you're going to get them out in Los Angeles, now is the time over the summer. No better place to be. Drew, you and I will be out there next week, right? Elite Can't 11 wait. finals, baby. So we'll uh, we'll pack the sunscreen, get ready for a nice little trip Tuesday to Saturday. Hopefully, hopefully a little golf. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we can sneak it in. All right, Drew, the Georgia Bulldogs, number one team in the country, back-to-back -back seasons, national champs. We mentioned that every podcast, it seems like. They also had a big weekend, and they picked up a commitment this morning, if you're up in Adam, on June 6th from Justin Green, the number 23 defensive line. Defensive lineman in the country, excuse me, and a top 247 player. And obviously, that is reason to celebrate if you're a Georgia Bulldogs fan. We'll talk about him in a second. But, Drew, the, I don't want to say it's not bad news, right? It's no bad news for a Georgia Bulldog fan right now. But Sammy Brown, number five overall player in the country from the state of Georgia, Jefferson High School, same school as Malachi Starks, a freshman standout for Georgia uh, last season as a freshman. He announces he's going to go play his ball for Dabo Sweeney in Clemson, which shouldn't be that much of a surprise if you look at the success that Clemson has had in Georgia in recent history. And, Drew, you and I kind of talked about it on the emergency podcast where we're talking about Sammy Brown and his commitment to Clemson. Clemson is just kind of different, right? They recruit different. They're, they're all about fit, and it is a mutual beneficial relationship on and off the field. And when Clemson sinks their teeth in and they have a long-standing relationship, regardless of whether you're in Georgia or not, Clemson is a hard team to beat. But Georgia won at Sammy Brown. He's one of the best players in the country, maybe the best athlete in the country. And Georgia was all in, which is crazy when you think about Georgia, 25 players drafted over the last two years. I bring that stat up a lot because I don't think people really understand how significant that is. 25 players drafted over a two-year span. That's more than any other team in college football history. So, Drew, you know, I guess my my first point is I think a lot of people see Sammy Brown going to Clemson, and they're not they're not deterred by that news if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan. It just kind of is what it is, and I think that's the natural attrition of where college football is right now. I look at it and say – we didn't really the, the storyline last year that not a lot of people talked about Raylan Wilson, CJ Allen and Troy Bowles all came in one class together. I, those were three of the top five linebackers in the country, depending on who you asked. That's a tough follow up for anybody, even including if you're Sammy Brown. Um, so an embarrassment of riches there. Uh I don't know. I just I think about it that way. And yeah, does it sting a little bit if you're Georgia? For sure. But 
I get it. I get it. From so so I like this direction you went because I hadn't really thought about that. And then you got my mind churning. And what is the reviews? I don't know what you've heard coming out of Athens, but like Raylan Wilson, dude, um, you know, uh, Troy Bowles, they like a lot. Um, just that whole linebacker group, it, it, they seem to be fired up. I, I really, really wasn't thinking about that. I was going to go in the lines of, hey, Georgia's just not going to get everyone. Right. Last year they wanted Caleb Downs. They wanted Justice Haynes. I mean, they were all in on those two guys and they and they just didn't get them. They both ended up at Alabama. And and you're right, Sammy Brown is was every bit of a a, a priority. I mean, I remember uh, he maybe it was this time last year or, or last spring, like he was at Georgia's six AM workouts when they're running there in between the hedges, you know. Like he he was a dude. I, I just think ultimately Clemson was the right fit. And that's not, you know, that's just me kind of reading from a distance. Uh, but that that is a good point. I mean, you know, at Georgia, they're absolutely loaded, but we've said it in the past, like you can go to Georgia and, and not start and still go on to get selected in the NFL draft. So something to think about as well. Well, you added some great context, and I'm going to read this. This is from our friend Benjamin Walk. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports Network, my friend of Dogs 247. And this is what Sammy Brown had to say about his conversation with Glenn Schumann. Those were definitely the two hardest conversations to have out of all of them. I'm really, really close with both of them, alluding to Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann. I was tearing up a little bit, but I was at peace about it, even though it was really hard. I was definitely disappointed to tell Coach Schumann of how, because of how close we were. That was really hard. That was definitely the toughest person to tell. Obviously, he was disappointed. I was coming this week, alluding to his official visit, I assume. He said he was super proud of me and knows I'm going to do great things. That just speaks volumes to Coach Schumann as a person and as Georgia as a whole. Drew, the first thing I took away from this quote is Glenn Schumann and Todd Hartley, who I'm going to bring into the fold as well. Those two are going to be head coaches very, very soon. And they have uh, certainly made their impact at the University of Georgia. Um and listen, when you don't win a recruitment and you invest everything you have into it, this is how you handle it. That's how you handle it. If if you're you're a coach, if you're Glenn Schumann, if you're Kirby Smart, that's that's how you handle it. And that's a professional way to go about their business. And you know, Sammy Brown's been through the process. So at this point, he's got a very, very good understanding and very good idea that Clemson is now his home. Um, but like I said, I'm not worried about Georgia. I kind of took away from this, that it came down to those two schools at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Again, I, I we touched on it on the emergency podcast on Sammy Brown. So we don't, we don't really need to keep rehashing it, but I, I, I do think kind of a, a testament to, to Dabo and, and Clemson. Hey, you know, <laughs> What's his what's his term? Uh, you know, God over nil, and I'm not saying that applies to this in any way, but the process they still have in place can still net them some some big fish, right? In terms of hey, Sammy Brown was the first guy in the 2024 cycle we offered. He comes on our um, big visit weekend. They get him committed. So, uh, you know, that that's I think we can leave it at that. So, last thing I'll say on Clemson. You know, we're referring to the name, image, and likeness of, of God is what Dabo Sweeney has talked about. And a lot of people think that's corny. 
you know, but I'm a, I'm a faith-based person. And when I worked at Washington, a lot of these decisions came down to, they were family decisions with the recruits, especially the recruits that we had a lot of success with. And I think with Dabo Sweeney, Andrew, you and I talk about their process being different, that they typically don't pull the trigger. They don't. They don't pull the trigger unless they you, you're on campus and they have that face-to-face -face interaction. It's a very personal touch to the process. It's very different than a lot of other places around the country. When everybody's zigging, places like Clemson are zagging a little bit. And that's, that's kind of what makes them different. And you have to be able to be comfortable saying, you know what, this place is not for everybody and that's okay. But for if, if this place does fit you, then this place has a chance to make a huge impact on your life. And I'll, I'll say this, Clemson is one of the premier programs in the country. And teams do this. Everybody says, you know, they check a box and Clemson, to me, pours so much investment into who they are off the field. And I think that really sticks out. Not only, you know, you talk about Sammy Brown, but I think when it comes to the family of the player, that was a huge deal for Christopher Vizina. I remember, you know, he's he, he played his ball in Birmingham. I've gotten to know him well, you know, and he talked about the schools that were in it. And he loved Notre Dame. He said when it came to Clemson, it was just the fit on and off the field. It, there was just no other place for him to go. So sometimes that happens. Like I said, it's, it's less about Georgia, more about Clemson, and more about the fit entirely. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Drew, a couple uh, of other commitments over the last few days. Um, I noted Alabama earlier in the show, but they dip into Florida and uh, grab the number 84 ranked interior offensive lineman, Joseph Ionetta, correct? Is that I, the right I, pronunciation? Ionetta is what it is. Ionetta. Excuse me. Gosh, we're having a rusty on the pronunciations. It, 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 excuse me on that. But, Drew, I, this is a guy in, in the state of Florida. Uh, got to got to uh, watch him a little bit this morning. But your thoughts on Alabama's pickup? Well, it sounds like they're taking him as a center, right? Um, Ionetta's dad played at Florida State. Miami was heavy involved in that recruitment. And what's, what's really wild is he was set to visit UCF this weekend on an official visit goes and camps June 1st at Alabama. They offer on the spot. 
uh, and he commits what right away. I mean, a, a day or two later, um, you know, I guy we've been, I've been hoping to get measurements on, you know, I've seen him work out once seen him in person. Um, I, it, I think it's a bit of an interesting take, but I, I kind of get it. And I went back and I watched, um, a lot of his tape and he, he played left tackle for his team. Again, I said, they're going to kick him inside, but one of the games or one of the opponents he faced as a, as a junior, uh, his team went up against Berkeley prep, right? So Calvary Christian over on, on the West coast of Florida goes up against Berkeley prep Well, Berkeley prep is where five-star Keon Keeley went to school. And uh, I watched as much of that uh, as I could thought he had his moments against Keeley, uh, but Keeley, Got probably the better end of him. I think uh, I had Keeley with a sack, multiple knockdowns, but I thought it was an encouraging performance. So we'll see what he looks like here as a senior. But, uh, you know, Alabama bringing him in, you know, working him out. I, I think it also kind of circles back to what you said, Cooper. Hey, you know, not the greatest of years for offense alignment, at least right now. Um, and, and they wanted to get this guy in. And um, some people have tossed out like the Matt Lee comp- comparison for Ionet. I don't know if you know who that is, Cooper. He was a kid, ended up at UCF, recently transferred into Miami um, as a center, was one of the best in the AAC last season. So we'll see. Interesting pickup, but I, I it's been a while since Alabama's took a kid out of the Sunshine State, and I've scratched my head. So got to trust the process there. Yeah, I think when you know, you're looking at the offensive line, it, especially when you're evaluating the center position, even if that's where you project them long-term, you want – you want the player to be able to play multiple positions on the offensive line, which I think Ionetta is capable of playing guard if he needs to play guard. He's playing tackle right now, so you certainly like that skill set. Drew, when I when I watched him, I thought he was more of a guy that, like, the disposition more than anything kind of stood out. He's got a little bit of nasty to him, right? In terms of the athletic ceiling, I think that's a little bit in question. Like you talked about, we don't have a lot of athletic markers. Can play at the second level. He's a little bit stiff. But he plays the game the right way. Uh, And if you're at the center position, you're going to play in a phone booth, right? That's important. So in terms of the traits, um, you know, we talk about the athleticism. We talk about the foot and body quickness, those type of traits. Yes, they're all important. But the further more you get pushed inside, those traits minimize, right, in terms of importance. Uh, And then in terms of physicality, play strength. Uh, and being able to play with balance and body control, those things uh, become a little bit more and more important. So we'll see uh, what happens there. And obviously a pickup for Alabama that we'll keep track of. We talked about the offensive line this year as a whole. It's just not as deep as a group as we're typically used to seeing. So that leads to Penn State, Andrew. They go uh, into Jacksonville and they pick up a pledge from Derek Class, number 47 offensive tackle in the country. We'll talk more about the Nittany Lions here in a second, but Drew, your evaluation on Derek Plass. Well, I I touched on it with the USC, right? I think if you are one of these big time programs, right? And, and with the new structure in terms of, all right, unlimited counters, you know, free agencies at an all time high, I I think you still, I, I would be devoting in Cooper, you've ran recruiting department, so you might see this a completely different way, but I'd be devoting, two or three of my allotted high school slots a cycle to developmental tackle prospects with traits. You look at Derek Plaz, he is just that. He's an athletic. I think he's pretty raw. 
uh, has played left tackle, probably more of, I would think, a right tackle. Maybe could play inside. Uh, a guy up there in Jacksonville was actually teammates with one of my favorite prospects in the 23 cycle, Pup Howard. Uh, he's at Andrew Jackson High School. You know, they had their best season, I think, since 2009. And this is a kid that a lot of the in-state schools, I know Miami was heavy on him. Uh, I think Florida State was was looking around as well. And I, I think it's impressive for Penn State. I mean, go grab him, stash him on the roster. And James Franklin and his staff are, are having a heck of a year in Duval County. I said when they took the two cornerbacks or defensive backs, excuse me, out of Mandarin High School, which is also in Jacksonville, um, John Mitchell and Antonio Belgrave Shorter, I, I think they were ahead of the curve there. And I think they're ahead of the curve here with Derek Plaz. So I, I think that commitment makes it makes a ton of sense. Um and uh, it's going to have a ripple effect on other recruiting boards around the country. I just like the way Penn State has recruited, especially the offensive line over the last two cycles. Uh, this one was kind of different to me in terms of the build, right? We talked about like the developmental upside. I think you can see the athletic traits. You can see the the quick twitch. You can see the feet. Derek Plaz is certainly a guy that kind of fits into the category. Like the strength, conditioning, nutrition aspect for him is going to be a huge deal. And, uh, and Penn State he, has one of the best. Right, once he gets to Penn State. So the way they've recruited, they've kind of given themselves the luxury to be able to take a player like this, get him in the program, uh, and develop him. But Penn State, Drew, uh, they also pick up Xavier Gilliam, number 43 edge in the country out of Maryland, Dewan Lane, number 21 safety, four-star as well. Penn State up to number six. And, Drew, I, you know, on, on Gilliam, turning on the tape, watching him a little bit this morning, I'm still getting familiar with him, but I, I like him. I mean, like uh, Tweener, uh, a guy that I feel like can play multiple positions, scheme dependent, uh, but quick first step, disruptive, can play down the line of scrimmage. I like this kid. I mean, this just seems like one of those very – uh, sneaky evaluations by Penn State, and all of a sudden you're looking up, and it's like Penn State the last couple of years, they have one of those freshmen every year that it seems to be a little bit overlooked. Xavier Gilliam is is one of the, those guys that I'm going to be watching here uh, throughout his senior season. And Dewan Lane kid, I mean, I like this kid a lot, a lot of good size, rangy, two-way athlete. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Dakari Nelson a little bit. Now, the biggest thing with Dewan Lane, he's got a sub 1100 meter i think uh over the last year to his name as well so he can run you see the ball skills he's rangy i mean penn state what they've done in the secondary andrew i'm a i'm a huge like penn state as a whole i wouldn't be surprised if we just look up and it's like i i, I know this is not like you know pate's talked about this but the way they've recruited like they got aller singleton Allen, they're talented on the on the defensive side of the ball. I love what they've done in the secondary. I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking up, you know, a couple months from now, Penn State's heavily involved in the in the college football playoff discussion. I agree. Uh, back to Gillum. That's the exact thought. I saw him at uh, the Under Armour Baltimore camp. I thought, thought the same thing, right? Probably can play multiple alignments up front te techniques. I think he's already what two hundred and fifty pounds, so he's a a bigger edge guy. And I, I agree with your assessment on lane. Um, glad our eyes are, are kind of lining up there. Well, what is a show without a little bit of Rutgers love, right? We're going to do that for <laughs> producer Lance Glenn <laughs> Rutgers. They reel in a trio from down in South Florida. Tycool Hill Lumen, number 60 edge. 
and Ty Clean Lumen, number 80 edge, along with Raynor Edwards, number 94 offensive tackle. That Lance Glenn in IL money getting down to getting down <laughs> to the Sunshine State. Scarlet Knights now the I think the top 25 class right now. Uh, no, 20. They're 20. Well, we had USC at number 20, right? Oh, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Rutgers at number 22. Number 22. Quick fact check there. But Rutgers Drew, these guys. I think you're you're somewhat knowledgeable of this this trio heading up to uh, New Jersey. I was, and I was texting producer Lance over the weekend about this. I think Lance was this Rutgers' biggest recruiting weekend ever. I think quantity wise, in terms of how many kids took official visits, yes. I think they had like close to twenty five kids on official visits this weekend. Uh, some committed, maybe a couple, but large majority uncommitted. So, uh, yeah, this was a pretty big weekend for uh, Greg Schiano and, and staff here in, here on the banks. And a ton of Florida flavor, right? So Yeah. The th- well, the th- you got to remember, right, when Rutgers was rolling, okay, I'm talking about, you know, 2000s. You know, let's talk between 2006 and 2011, right? Like, they were hitting Florida pretty hard. I mean, Schiano has those Florida routes, uh, those Florida connections. So, uh they were hitting Florida pretty hard, and uh, they obviously went away from that with Kyle Flood and Chris Ash. But they've been uh, trying to get back into Florida since Gianno's been back. I feel like it's so much more difficult now for a school like Rutgers to get down into Florida just because I don't, I don't know, just the way the the game has changed. I feel like so many teams are so much more equipped nowadays when it comes to recruiting, especially recruiting a state like Florida, and you have so many more players, right? Like for, I don't want to say Florida's over recruited because it seems every year somebody goes into there that shouldn't and, and pulls out a guy that ends up overperforming at the next level. But oh, I, I would I have that conversation with college recruiters all the time that South Florida definitely over recruited. And we, I was talking about Penn State, what they're doing up in Jacksonville. I think that's under recruited. I think the panhandle is under recruited. So I, I, I would agree with that. that that's an assessment. But. Shiano does have some some ties to South Florida. I mean, he was the head coach of the Bucks, right? Right. Um, and his staff members, but you know, this this trio, they're all from Miami Norland High School. Uh, the Lumen twins are both originally from Canada. Raynor Edwards comes from the Bahamas. Um, it's it's an interesting group. Uh, I, I like Raynor Edwards, I think, for Rutgers developmental upside as a tackle. Uh, the Lumen twins are are probably gonna be able to see see the field sooner rather than later. But really, what I want to talk about is, is just that visitors list. Uh, Jason Patterson, running back out of North Florida they had there. Uh, I think he's a stud. And, and Lance was telling me he thinks Rutgers is in it. Josh Philistine, he's a kid from Cardinal Newman High School. He can fly. Same with his teammate, Kevin Levy. Also had KJ Duff, a tight end from New York up there. He's been talked a lot about behind the scenes. So Thought we had to give Rutgers some love here because that was a they dialed up a big one. I heard they I heard they took the kids to New York City as well. That's like a big uh that's always been a big thing. Used to be, it used to be when it was open. It might still be open, but it used to be going to Dave and Buster's in the city. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the city one. I don't know if you've ever been to Dave and Buster's in the city two. Um, but that used to be a big thing on official visits is that they would go to Dave and Buster's in Manhattan. And I think way back in the day, this was when I was young, and this place is definitely closed. They used to go to the ESPN zone. I don't know if you guys remember or ever heard of the ESPN zone. If oh, you remember gosh. watching those old like ESPN shows, they did them at the ESPN zone. Um, 
But the ESPN yeah. zone, Washington D.C. was great. I mean, ESPN zones were one of the best. I used to look ESPN zone closed when I was young, but going there as a kid because my uncle used to live in Manhattan, I would go there all the time. It's fun, man. When you're Quality if you're a kid who loves sports, if you're a kid who loves sports, ESPN zone was the place to go for sure. Little shout out for ESPN zone. Is it by the way? Is it NCAA legal to fly prospects into one state and have dinner in another? I no, think there's a, there's a zone, but they went by train, right? Yeah, usually. Well, usually I think they go by bus, but um, I think it's there's definitely a zone of like X amount of miles, and I, I think, think it's thirty miles. Yeah, I think oh, wherever right. wherever Dave and Buster's was, or where they take them in the city is within that like 30 mile uh range so all's good here <laughs> there is any person that should know that it should have been me yeah <laughs> yeah over, over you're, here you're trying ask, to over here us. trying to narc on ruckers um all right all right boys good good ruckers uh segment there drew last night you were on the road you went to uh florida atlantic satellite camps which are still a thing Florida State was there. Mike Norvell, his entire on-field staff were there as well. A lot of underclassmen working out. But uh, really is one of those just kind of meet and greets, right? Get to talk, chop it up uh, with, with a couple of the guys and another opportunity to uh, shake some hands. So, so when you were at Michigan, was that when the satellite camp craze was going on or no? Yes, it was crazy. I, I remember, I mean, not to go off roading here, but – that, I want there, there was some drama. We were supposed to do a camp with Tulane that I had set up and we had it. I mean, and, and it was a big deal because I mean, we were only going into year three of Harbaugh, right? So these satellite camps were had everybody's attention. And Michigan was coming down to New Orleans and in the state of Louisiana, and we were trying to get in there. And we had it set up, and a week later, it was like they pulled it, uh, and Ed Orgeron, who had just taken, uh, just taken command there, and Baton Rouge nixed it, and then the Louisiana schools band together. They kept everybody out, and that was their deal. But that was a little bit of the drama. Um, since then, I mean, satellite camps are just kind of like part of the fabric of college football now. We, nobody really talks about them. I know, um, but I, I think what they've morphed into and what Florida state has done. And ever since Mike Norvell has been in Tallahassee, like he has made South Florida a priority. And I think he's expanded their footprint more and more. So the past two or three years, I, I want to say it's two, I can recall two camps I worked, they would be at FIU for some reason this year, FIU didn't allow Mike Norvell in. I heard Miami was a big reason why. So what do they do? They go up, an hour up the road to to Florida Atlantic, and uh, I was out there on Monday night, and these camps have turned into like underclassmen showcases. So there's a lot of soon to be sophomores and juniors working out, uh, but there's also a lot of seniors, soon to be seniors that register and don't really work out. Right, they just are there to hang out with the coaches, and you know, does that work out? Well, I think it does because last year when FSU was at FIU, Hakeem Williams was there. You know, end up signing Hakeem Williams. That's when they started picking up momentum in the in the summer months. So uh, last night, a lot of targets for the Seminoles are there hanging out with the coaches and, and Mike Norvell. 
you know, he was coach like FSU worked the camp. Don't get me wrong. I, I stood behind Mike Norvell and he was coaching up all these young quarterbacks. Like they aren't there just to mingle, but they certainly show a ton of love to the guys that they are recruiting from the area. So you had top two, four, seven cornerback Jamari Howard, who recently backed off a, a, a pledge to Michigan State. He was there. Lewayne McCoy, who this time last year at the FIU camp was a nobody, ended up becoming the alpha dog, uh, picks up an FSU offer, now committed to the Seminoles. I think a lot of schools are trying to flip him, so they were all fired up that he was there. You had Jordan Lyle, running back, committed to uh, Ohio State. He showed up, was hanging out. Uh, Jaden Parrish, FSU's linebacker commit, he was there. Dylan Stevenson, an edge rusher that they're in hot pursuit of. He just visited Stanford, gets to Illinois this weekend, and then he's going to be uh, at FSU for an official visit. So, you know, these camps, I think evaluations are made, but what they've really turned into is it's like, all right, we're here to see these guys. If you're interested in us, you'll come show up. Hey, and you have to look at every opportunity to get in front of these prospects as you got to be opportunistic, right? And turn it into an advantage and give a lot of credit to Mike Norvell. I mean, since this same person went on, uh, what was it? Preps the pros, I think I said. The famous quote, Florida State <laughs> recruiting, like a sailboat without a sail. Man, they've turned it on. <laughs> they've, turned, they've turned it on, man. But um yeah, I, I give the Florida State the job that they've done. That's interesting what you mentioned about FIU and Miami. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, and if you want to go like really down the rabbit hole, when those first satellite camps happen, right? So what 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 year would that have been? Like when it was cr the craze, like Harbaugh's shirtless on a private jet. Yeah, I would have said 20, 2016. Okay. So like Alabama – was kind of reserved like they didn't do those initially and then finally they were like full go like all right we're gonna do it but they had kind of they had kind of perfected it and what do i mean by that i think this would have been 2017 fiu worked a camp at or excuse me alabama worked a camp at fiu nick saban was on the field for maybe five minutes because he addressed the campers but the rest of the time they had him up in a suite and Alabama's coaches would kind of just bring the big names from the area up into that suite. So you're essentially getting an in-home visit in the middle of the summer months. And I think a lot of people didn't realize that was what was going on with those satellite camps. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a one way to go about it for sure. I, I I've never even heard that. I've never even heard like the. Uh, I didn't know, like, I didn't know that type of interaction was compliant. <laughs> maybe it was, maybe it isn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was, maybe it isn't, is what it is. But, uh, you know, Alabama, they're a recruiting machine. They know what they're doing. Um, well, good deal. Yeah, sat satellite camps are back, baby. FSU, Mike Norvell taking advantage, a handful of other programs as well. Trust me, are out there working their tail off as well. But, Drew, that's all we got on the rundown. Any Anything else before we get out of here? Well, Lance is popping in. What does he got? Well, so I wanted to – this is not recruiting talk first and foremost. Or not recruiting related, I should say, first and foremost. But obviously, we're all big golf fans on this podcast, right? Right? We all play. Uh, we all enjoy watching. Um, but as you guys were talking, some big news broke that I think you would both be interested in. I don't know if you've already seen it. But the PGA Tour 
and live golf are actually merging. Yeah, they're merging. Are you serious? To, to become a soon to or to become a got to find the exact uh, quote, but a, a yet to be named new company. How PGA did that happen? Live golf becoming one. PGA Tour has fought this tooth and nail. Yeah, well, PGA Tour agrees to uh, agrees to merge with Live Golf, so we're here. This is what we're. This is what we've arrived to. <laughs> well, I, I didn't see the news, but I did get a text message from in one of my. Uh, <laughs> and I think I mean, the question in one of my in one of my group chats, someone texted me or texted. If I'm Rory, I would never play on the PGA again. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? Like, what is the context of this? Yeah, on no, I think the question is now, though, what is this company now going to be named? Is there a way they can merge PGA and live? Into a name and make but it what work. Was, so that's what they're going to do. It's a yet to be named company. I mean, so not like, to. What could they name it? Not to go off the rails, which it seems like we are here. But what was the leverage that Liv had? In the that's a great question. It just broke. In, per CNBC. Wow. Yeah. So you wonder. I wonder if like the entertainment aspects, the team aspect of Liv now morphs into in a PGA, right? You know what the idea that was really interesting to me is that they had a all-star uh type of format involved with, you know, the top golfers in Live versus the top golfers in the PGA, which I would have loved to see. Honestly, Live has gained more momentum, I think internationally than I ever expected. That event in Australia looked like a lot of fun. <laughs> anyway, I guess we've kind of turned into a semi-golf show. I'm trying to get tickets to the U.S. Open next weekend. There you I go. Mean, yeah, if you're if you're out there, you're an Oyster Boys fan. We are traveling to L.A. I got to get back on Saturday. But Andrew, I guess we we don't have any events on Saturday, right? No, clean schedule. Elite it's Eleven a, ends. Yeah, T Seven Finals on Sunday. So we got an opening in L.A. Boy, boy, Drew. Just trying to watch some golf, man. Just trying to watch the new live tour. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you got no idea what to expect out there. Be like Happy Gilmore. All right, boys. Great show. Good to be back in the saddle. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Make sure also to leave a rating and review on there. If you have any questions, that is the place to do it. So for the rest of the Oyster Boys, producer Lance Flynn, director of scouting Andrew Ivins. As we appreciate you joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.